Good to see all of you. Um, I hope it's good to see me as well. It's good to see you. <laughs> okay. Um, we're going to continue our teaching on prayer. Uh, we've been talking about prayer within the context of when the, pr- when the church prays together. Today is part seven. Part seven of our teaching series on when the church prays together. And so uh, I want to encourage you, those of you who have not been able to, I want to encourage you to go on our website and listen over and over again to these teachings because I think you will find them a real blessing. Um, I think that it will help you if you are serious about prayer, especially praying with other people uh, because there are some truths that we've learned concerning that. Today, I want to talk about the hindrances hindrances to prayer, hindrances to prayer. And because of time, I don't really want to go over some of the things I've already said, uh, but our key text is Matthew 18, verses 18 to 20, where our Lord tells us, assuredly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you shall agree concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father, in heaven, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. And we've been talking about prayer specifically when the church prays together. In other words, when two or more people are praying in agreement. However, we are also just reinforcing some simple truths about prayer that we've been learning as a church during our history. And uh, these verses, we said, tells us three things about praying together. One, the church can exercise its authority to bind or lose through prayer. Secondly, that there must be agreement among those who are praying. And thirdly, the prayer meetings or the prayer gatherings must always be done in the name of Jesus. In other words, when we are praying, it must represent the Lord. It must be because of the Lord. It must be to honor the Lord. And last week, we talked about the need to be persistent in prayer. And uh, I would really encourage you to listen again and go through those notes again about the need to be persistent in prayer. Because persistence in prayer, in my opinion, is, even though we've taught it, it's still, there's an, a mystery to it. There is a mystery to it. First uh, Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. In other words, always keep on praying. Never stop praying. He's not saying that you should pray 24-7. He's saying persevere when you are praying about something. Keep praying until you see an answer. And we talked about the fact that persistent praying builds up the power of God on our behalf. We learned from the life of the prophet Daniel how he had to persist in prayer in order to have a breakthrough. And we also learned from the life of Elijah through the teachings of James the Apostle, how we need to persist in prayer. All right, so let's talk about hindrances to prayer. Now, there, there are two things about, in terms of prayer that are hindered, and that is prayers that are hindered versus prayers that are unanswerable. In other words, prayers that when we pray, They are according to the will of God, but they're still hindered. And then there are prayers 
that no matter how much we pray, God will never answer. And it's important that we distinguish between the two. So although there is some kind of overlap where there are certain prayers that are hindered and also there are certain prayers that God will never answer um, and there's some kind of overlap, overlap between the two, I want to differentiate, first of all, prayers that God will not answer. Prayers that God will not answer. Now, I'm talking specifically prayers from certain, the condition of one's heart that will determine whether God will answer those prayers or not. And because of time, let's go for it. Number one, unanswerable prayers include prayers outside of the expressed will of God. Prayers that are contrary to the clear will of God. Of God. Now, there are certain things in the scriptures that makes it very clear that no matter how much we pray, God will not answer because his word speaks a very clear way concerning that. In 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15, he says, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we have asked of him. So there, the scripture teaches that when we ask according to his will, he hears us. But you see, there are things that if you are asking and they are not according to his will, then for sure you must know he will not hear you. So if you want God to hear your prayers, simple, you must recognize his will. You must recognize his will. You must be willing to acknowledge his will in that context. Now, there are some things, there are many things actually the Bible says nothing about. There are many things the Bible says nothing about. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. And that's why we have the principles of his word. Because in those things where the Bible says nothing about, the principles of God's word can give us guidance and the Holy Spirit within us can give us guidance. He can lead us. The scripture says he leads us into all truth. And so we need to know how to marry the principles of God's word and listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit so that we can ascertain his will. Secondly, unanswerable prayers are prayers motivated by self-indulgence. Prayers motivated by self-indulgence. In other words, selfish prayers or prayers that are because of our unrenewed flesh, unrenewed self. James chapter 4 verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. You ask and do not receive because you are asking amiss. You're asking outside of the will of God and you're asking in order to spend it on your self-indulgence. And it's clear, those prayers God will not answer. Number three, prayers from a hypocrite. What is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is somebody who pretend, pretends to be something they are not. A hypocrite is somebody who pretends to be something they are not. It is not somebody who is struggling in their flesh. It is not somebody who may stumble and fall, who recognizes their frailty. That's not what a hypocrite is. A hypocrite is a pretender. A hypocrite pretends to be something they are not. And in Job 27, 8 and 9, he says this, for what is the hope of the hypocrite? 
Though he may gain much, if God takes away his life, will God hear his cry when trouble comes upon him? The answer is no. He will not hear his cry when trouble comes upon him. The hypocrite is a pretender. And in, in, in Matthew 6, 5, our Lord tells us not to pray like the hypocrite because they pray for show. They pray to be seen of men. So one of the characteristics of the hypocrite is that they play to the audience. And it's very, very important that when it comes to prayer, that you are praying before the Lord alone. Especially when you want him to answer you. Amen? Prayers from a hypocrite are unanswerable. Number four, prayers from those whose heart is set on sinning. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Prayers from those whose heart is set on sinning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2. If you can put it up there, I'm not sure if I gave it to you in the notes. Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2. Look at what he says. He says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you that, so that he will not hear. It's not that God is deaf. It's not that God is powerless. But one of the reasons why some prayers are not answered is because of the condition of our heart. It is set on doing the wrong thing. I want to encourage you to learn to know yourself. Learn to examine yourself before the Lord. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ indeed is in you unless you are disqualified? I have discovered that many of us don't really know ourselves and why we do the things we do. Why we think the way we think. I get a lot of surprise about my own self. Sometimes I think I'm really on track and then when I examine myself with the word, I see that now we've really, we've really lost our way. Yeah, it's very easy sometimes to lose your way. But when your heart is set on doing the wrong thing, it bars God from hearing your prayers. Number five, prayers from those who deliberately disobey God's word. Prayers from those who deliberately disobey God's word. In other words, where you know what he says but you refuse to do it, it affects your prayers. Look at what he says in Proverbs 28, verse 9. The one who turns his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Even his prayer is an abomination. In other words, his prayers are detestable. It's like, ah, that smells. Don't want to hear it. Don't want to, no. If you refuse to hear what God is saying to you, in a given context, it affects your prayers. Yeah, it affects your prayers. Again, going back to Psalm 66, um, the one we looked at, um, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. It is a person who 
deliberately entertains doing the wrong thing. So you've heard the word, but you deliberately entertain the wrong thing. You refuse to do the right thing. You know, as a pastor, over the years, I see it so many times. And uh, we tend to have these religious explanations. I don't feel led. I don't feel moved. But I'll say to people, but the word says, yeah, you might say the word says, but I don't feel, I don't see it the way you see it. So sometimes what I've learned to do is, when somebody asks me a question, I just say, read that, and what do you think it's saying? So they ask me a question, I say, read it. Because I've realized sometimes if I tell them what I think it says, just because I said it, they're not going to take it. Because I said it. You know, there's something about the way I sound and the way I look. So when I say it, nah, I don't see it. But when you say, what does that say? You've just asked me a question, read that. And here's the thing about our prayers. When it comes to prayers, in a way, it's a great equalizer because the only one whose opinion counts is God. So it doesn't matter what I think or even what you think. It's what God's word says. And that's why you see in, in the days of old, some of the men of God, they will refer to the word of God when they're talking to God. You said in your word, you said to Abraham, you told the children of Israel. And on the back of it, they will ask him to do something. You must always honor God's word. Number six, prayers from a self-righteous heart. Are also prayers God will not hear. Now, in Luke 18, verses 9 to, 9 to 14, our Lord gives a parable of a self-righteous man in prayer, a Pharisee and a publican. They both went before the Lord. The Pharisee, they were both before the Lord in prayer, and the Pharisee prayed something like this, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other men, adulterers, fornicators, liars, etc., like this guy here. I, I fast twice a week. Oh, glory to God for your life. I give up my tithe than most Pentecostals these days. And uh, something else, he, he, he was telling God he did. And then they, the other guy who wasn't tithing and wasn't um, fasting at all said, oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the Lord says, of the two, who do you think went home justified? It was the guy who recognized their absolute poverty before God. For he that humbles himself will be exalted. But he that exalts himself will be abased or humiliated. So, in Luke 18, verse 9, our Lord gave a parable to show those who are, New International Version says, confident of their own righteousness and look down on everybody else. I wonder whether when you celebrate the grace of God upon your life, you also despise others in the process who are not doing as you are. Because, beloved, if that is where you're at, your praise will be ended. Now, I know that that is something that over the years, especially in my younger days, I struggled with. I would get very frustrated with my fellow believers when I saw they weren't as zealous as I thought I was. And I will pass judgments. But then I had back doors in my life 
that allowed the enemy to harass me that I didn't even know about. And I didn't connect the two. It's only when you grow up then you can connect the two. That the reason why the enemy had access to me was because I, had a, I was judging people wrongly. I was proud. I know none of you have suffered from such things. But I'm just sharing my testimony to encourage anybody who might be tempted this way. Let's move on quickly. So these are six things, six prayers that God will not answer. It doesn't matter how much we pray. If your condition, your heart condition is in any of these categories, God will not hear your prayers. It's very interesting. Now, we're going to talk about prayers that are hindered or hindrances to prayers. So these are the prayers being prayed that are according to the will of God that God wants to answer. Nonetheless, such prayers can be hindered, whereby there is no answer. The first one we looked at last week, which is prayers that lack persistence. Prayers that lack persistence. Luke 11, 5 to 10, our Lord gives the parable, and right till, till, to, to, throughout that parable, he shows us, in fact, he gave a parable from verse 2 right up until this um, verse 10, where he shows the persistent friend and then also shows the need to be persistent in prayer. But we will go into that. Prayers that lack persistence will be hindered in being answered. Again, let me say something about hindered prayers. These are not prayers God does not want to answer. These are prayers God wants to answer. And it's important that you understand that most prayers that are in line with the word of God, in fact, all prayers in line with the word of God, God wants to answer. Unless, but the reason why most people, most of us don't see answers to prayers that are consistent with the will of God is because of some of these hindrances. So, number one, lack, prayers that lack persistence. Number two, prayers to impress others. So the thing you're praying about is the will of God, but how you are praying and why you are praying is because you want to impress others. Matthew 6, 5. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues. We've already touched on that. He says, assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Their reward is that people said, well done. That was your reward, not the answer to your prayers. Number three, prayers made without understanding. Again, we've touched on this in the past. Verse 7, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. So, the praying, the thing that you're bringing before God is the will of God. But how you are praying, you don't even know what you're doing. And because you're doing it as a ritual, as opposed to a heart of faith, you're not getting an answer. You see. So, for instance, somebody is sick. They need to be healed. We know God's will for them to be healed. But then when we pray, they are not healed. Why? Because at times, we don't stop to ask the Holy Spirit, what, what is the outcome here? Because I know what your word, but what's the outcome? Many times I have found, when I have asked the Holy Spirit in giving context, and he gives me insight, if the person does the thing they're supposed to do, they get the breakthrough. But if they don't, the thing gets worse. Yeah. Number four, prayers filled with unbelief. 
Now, this one here is a very interesting one. Because most people I have discovered will say something like this. But when I prayed, I believed. I believed. So why didn't God do what I expected him to do? Look at James chapter 1, verses 5 to 8. So here we are asking God for wisdom in this context. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Or when, he, when you ask him for wisdom, he gives you wisdom without finding fault with you. That's why I, I ask for wisdom. I like to ask for it because, you know, he doesn't, it doesn't matter how stupid I am or how bad I've, I've done things. If I ask for wisdom, I'm going to get it. God ain't going to find any fault with me. He says, and it will be given to him. Verse 6, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. Let him ask in faith. In other words, let him ask convinced about what he's asking. With no doubting. In other words, without having two minds about what he's asking. That's what it literally means. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Verse 7. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. In other words, don't bother. Think. You're going to get it. He says he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Therefore, God cannot and will not answer their request for wisdom. If when they ask, they wonder whether he would or he won't. He says he won't. What an interesting statement. Now, at times when people hear this, they feel like you are accusing them of being a bad person. No, we are exposing the lack of faith. We're not making a, uh, we're not using it to place a value on you. We're just saying this is what the scriptures say. Now, one of the things, and maybe another time we'll go into this, another teaching, but one of the things about faith is this, is that, again, it's a law. Romans 3, 27, it's a law. And so because it is a law, once you meet its parameters, you will see its results. It's, it's as simple as that. So when it comes to praying in faith, I have learned a very simple thing in my prayers, to tell God, right now, I'm not in faith. I need to see this, but I know I'm, there's double mind here. Help me with this. When I say help me with this, I know he will help me because I'm convinced of his generosity. But what I'm not going to do is lie to myself and say I'm in faith when I'm not. You say, how do you know when you're not, when you're in faith? It's when it is impossible to doubt. You say, how do I know when I'm not in faith? When you keep wondering whether you get it or not, then you should know you're not in faith. Now, come on, be honest. There are some things that you are in faith about. Whether it's the word of God or natural faith, if you've read my book, you know what we're talking about. The four different categories of faith. Whether it's your natural faith or whether it's Bible faith, there are some things you cannot doubt. It's impossible. For instance, I think everyone here is impossible for you to doubt about the existence of God. You may have one or two. I think I would have liked an amen there, you know. Now I'm wondering. But, and it is impossible for you to doubt about life after death. 
almost every Christian, almost every Christian, believes there's life after death. I'm sure there's some who don't. Sadducees. They, they, they were of the fold, but they didn't believe in the resurrection. But anyway, so when it comes to God, life after death, you are convinced. The majority of the human race is not. So that's amazing. And then, let's take it further, your levels of faith. You are even believing that Jesus lives inside of you. What a miracle. Some psychologists will say you're mad. How can a man live inside of you? But you are convinced. How many of you are convinced Jesus lives inside of you? You know, even if you're not convinced, you might just, because. So that is wonderful. But now, let's narrow it down further. There are certain things that you know God wants for you, but you don't know whether you're going to get it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Those are the areas you're not in faith. So what I do is I will talk to the Lord to bring me to a place of faith. Because I know I am still wandering. And until I know, I am not in faith. It's as simple as that. So when it comes to praying with unbelief, it is not simply saying, when I'm praying, I don't believe God will answer. It includes that. But it also means, when I'm praying, I am not sure whether God will answer. Now. I'm not sure that right now, the thing I am asking God for, he'll answer me or not. One day when we teach on the gifts of the Spirit, we'll show you why there is a difference between when a person is ministering under the anointing, people get healed regardless of them, and then at times a person with their faith is able to minister healing to others. There's a big difference. One of it is in spite of the faith of the person because it's a gift of the Spirit, and the other one is because of the person's faith. These are all biblical dynamics. So now let's talk about this a little bit more. Prayers filled with unbelief. Prayers that you are not convinced whether it will be answered or not. And don't feel condemned about that. Be free, because when I understood this truth, it set me free. So there are things that I have been believing God for, that I am still believing God for, but I know that I haven't come to a place of faith. Yesterday I was sharing a certain vision that is in my heart with my, one of my dearest friends, Austin, and he was asking me questions. Now, I, I cannot say I'm in faith about this. This thing is an amazing thing. I'm not in faith. Now, I believe the Spirit has spoken to me, but I am not at the place of faith here. I'm, this thing even scares me. It's a huge project. All I have seen is the end game of what I need. But I'm not in faith. So it would be stupid for me to stand here, declare that by the time year 20, whatever, uh, this thing will happen because I'm not in faith. So between now and when I begin this journey, I am praying to come to a place of faith. Yeah. All right, quickly, number five. Now, this one is interesting. This hindrance to prayers. Prayers with unresolved relational issues. This is one of the things I believe trips so many of us up because we underrate 
how our relationships with others affects our prayer life. For instance, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, I'm sorry I didn't give this verse out. He says this, Husbands likewise dwell with them, as your wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, so as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. So he says, Husbands, now that's why if you're not a husband, you're blessed already. Because this doesn't include you. You're not affected by this verse. He says, dwell with your wives with understanding or according to knowledge. Now that word knowledge in the Greek deals with two areas. How you handle them domestically and how you handle them in the other place. The bedroom. How you handle them. It must be with understanding. Otherwise it affects all the kaboshandering you are making. It affects your prayers. So, when you understand this dynamic as a husband, you realize, mm, my first mission field is my wife. <laughs> now, ladies, in case you think you are exempt, he says, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 to 24, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Mm. So if, ladies, if it's your brother, brothers, if it's your brother, somebody said, but if it's my sister, then I'm exempt. <laughs> no, no, no. He's showing you something. How we relate to people affects our prayers. Now, beloved, I have to be honest with you. At times, I am not happy with people. Of course, nobody in this room in Jesus' name, amen. But at times, loved ones will really rub you up the wrong way. So you're upset, say, leave me alone, I'm going to go and pray. Who's ever done that? Who's ever done that? You're upset, so you say, leave me alone, I'm going to go and pray. Good luck with that, let's hope that, I don't know who you're going to pray to. But, but, but it's the truth, at times, we feel we need to pray because people are troubling us, no. Sort out the issue before you go and pray. Otherwise, you're doing religious gymnastics. And there's a lot of it going on. Yeah. At times, as a father, when my children have done something, come, come on, get out. Why? Why? Can't you see I'm praying? Come on, leave me alone. <laughs> so they go. Along with the Holy Ghost. So now, I'm thinking, oh great. All my revelation ceases. It's like, oh Lord, okay. Now, and now here's the problem. I'm also feeling proud. Because I feel justified. They should know better. After all, I've, spoke, I've spoken to everyone. I've told them. So I might, I'm glad none of them are here to hear this. Because here are some of my techniques. I might say, yeah, Daniel, come here. You see, when you guys, uh, 
And he'll just look at me, okay, dad. Oh, Gary, it's not working. <laughs> Gary, it's coming, coming, coming. You see, beloved, darling, my sweetheart. Hmm, okay. Joel, I can get away with it. So even sometimes, like, no, leave me alone. It's like, you hurt my feelings. Yeah. So I just have to, okay, guys, I'm sorry. I shouted at you. It was wrong. It was bad. I shouldn't have done it. Please forgive me. Can you forgive me? Sometimes, no. <laughs> Most of the times it's yes, but once in a while, no. I'm not ready to forgive you yet. So, you know, I have to look for another. No, I'm, I'm being serious because my children, they can be honest. They'll tell me, no, I am not ready. That's from the oldest to the younger. I am not ready to forgive you right now. So, what would you do? Old African parent day. Pa, pa, pa. Nonsense. You will not forgive you. But today it's illegal. Nonsense. You will not forgive who? Stupid. <laughs> Foolishness. Yeah, well, but you see, you can't resolve. You want your prayers to be answered. <laughs> Relational issues. Now, I'm using my children as an example. Don't repeat this to them. As an example, to highlight a deeper problem. I am telling you this now. At all costs, you must do what you can. Now, there are some people, after you've done everything, you have to leave them alone. The scriptures teach, if it's at all possible, live peaceably with all men. But it's not possible to live peaceably with every man. But with most people it is. Especially those in your house. Especially those in your church. Especially those at work. Amen. All right, quickly, time is nearly up. And then we're going to take communion. Number six. Prayers with an unforgiving heart. Is another prayer that will be, another condition that will hinder your prayer. So the praying is effective, is the will of God, sorry, but you're not getting an answer. Now, I find it very interesting that in the Lord's prayer, he, he goes through it and he puts before dealing with relational issues your needs. So he says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. The reason is this. God is so kind and gracious. He knows what we're like. So he doesn't want us to starve. So he would, he would allow you to depend on him for your need and have him met. And before he addresses the more serious condition of your heart. But if you don't deal with the condition of your heart, the next one, and lead us not into temptation. You're stuck because that prayer is an order of priority of the condition of your heart. So the condition of your heart has to be a certain way to ensure certain freedoms in your prayers. So if there are unforgiveness in your heart, then there is no uh, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from the evil one. That ain't happening. And this is why many people who have unforgiveness in their heart end up in some kind of bondage. Here's the scary bit they will see certain prayers answered and others not. So they will conclude because God is meeting their need, everything is okay. It is not. Yeah. 
Matthew 6, 14 and 15. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. So, forgiveness is very important to ensure a free flow of your prayers. And last but not least, lack of unity amongst those praying. We've already touched on that, so we won't go into that. Will hinder your prayers. Lack of unity. Amen. Um, I want Angela to come. She's going to um, do the communion element. But before we do that um, sacrament, ordinance, I beg your pardon. But before we do that, why don't we just pray? And I, and I feel that we should pray as the ministers get ready to bring the communion elements. I feel that this area of unforgiveness and relational issues in particular is something that we have to address. Um, I want to encourage you. Sometimes people will hurt you that you love. People you love will hurt you. And uh, sometimes when that happens, it is difficult for you to move on even though you want to. Uh, but I want to encourage you not to live in denial, but to recognize the pain and ask God to help you. And where you have held unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody, resentment, and there's ways in which you can tell where you feel resentful towards somebody, where you feel like you don't want to see that person, where you're just angry, where you feel like now you take a step back from that person because, and they don't know what has happened because of what they did and you have not addressed the issue with them. These are indications that perhaps there is unforgiveness in your heart. I want to pray into this area. So, if you find yourself affected in this way, why don't you stand and let's just pray and just rededicate ourselves to the Lord. Um, if the um, ministers can get ready, just let's stand. If that's you, that's, this is the area that's affecting you, some kind of hurt, some kind of wound, some kind of pain. And especially if you have the opportunity to go to the person, then feel free to do so. Sometimes as a pastor, we will do and say things that would hurt you. And um, I know that the Holy Spirit has been signifying to me that there are a few people who have felt aggrieved by things that maybe I have said or done. Um, and uh, I want to give you encouragement to feel free to come and talk to me and, uh, so that I can, I can also be reconciled. I don't know who they are, by the way. I'm just telling you, but I know that he's been telling me this. So I want us to pray. Sometimes when it's a church leader, it's difficult to approach them. I know that. I want us to pray into this. As you're standing there right now, just bring your heart before the Lord. Bring your heart before the Lord and bring the situation before the Lord and ask him to help you, to help you, to forgive you for having unforgiveness in your heart. Angela, come, and Angela's going to pray over you, and then we're going to, she's going to lead us to take the communion. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that your word says, Lord, that when we come to you, that you hear us. And Father, we just want to, Lord, people have, 
have stood, have declared, have come before you and said, Father, I want you to forgive me, Lord. Help me to forgive those people. And Father, I just want to pray for each person who is standing, Lord. Father, that God, you would, Lord, bring that healing, Lord. Father, we might not get the response that we want from that person, but that's not what you're telling us to do. What you're telling us to do is to forgive. So in Jesus' name, Father, we pray that we would forgive. Forgive them for the things that they have said to us. Forgive them for the things that they have done for us, to us, Lord. And Father, that we would be in a place, Lord Jesus, of humility. We want to break down pride and ask Jesus that we would be in a place of forgiveness. Not of pride, Lord, but of forgiveness. And Father, as we go to those people, whether they respond in the way we want or not, that, Lord, we will love them, Jesus. So that we ask this in your name, in, in Jesus' name. Amen. And the word of God says in Luke 22, 19 to 20, And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Father, your word says that by your stripes we are healed. Your word says that when we come together, that we should take communion. And so, Lord, as a church, we're going to take communion together and declare that we are the, we are the body of Christ. So as you take communion, we're going to take it together. So just hold on to your bread and hold on to the wine, and we're going to take it together in the presence of God. Let's search our hearts as it's going round. Just bring yourself before the Lord. As we've heard from Pastor Joe, that uh, God already knows our hearts, but he wants us to be honest with him. So let's just be honest with the Lord as we come to take communion. <laughs> 